0: For people that think it's too crowded, uh, t- tell them to think about how many crime shows there are on television. <laughs> That's so like, true. Think about that. Like, there's a reason why all these crime shows exist. If they, if people weren't watching them, they wouldn't keep making them. There's sitcoms. There's crime sitcoms. There's crime dramas. There's uh, reenactments of crime. You know, there's all of these different <laughs> sorts of crime shows. So obviously people are watching this content and there's something about each one in its own individual way So you just Mm -hmm. have to find which which is your own individual way to reach an audience
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the golden hour podcast brought to you by the polar pro studio I'm your host dave mays and today's guest is jacques slade Jacques has built an empire of over a million subscribers on YouTube talking about and reviewing sneakers. He's kind of defined as one of the godfathers of the YouTube sneaker community. He's been on the platform for over a decade now, has his own show on Snapchat, has been featured in several sneaker documentaries, and is continuing to grow his community and experiment with different types of filmmaking techniques inside of his videos. There's a lot to learn from Jacques, especially if you're a content creator out there trying to make it on YouTube, and you'll come to find that there's actually way more to Jacques than just sneakers. He really is a visionary, an entrepreneur, and a filmmaker who understands how to tell a good story and build a business. I can't wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Jacques, but before we get to that, I need to tell you about the brand new filter series from Polar Pro for the brand new iPhone 12 series. The capabilities of the camera system on the brand new iPhone 12 and 12 Pro and the 12 Pro Max in particular are so incredibly good and it's never been better. So, Polar Pro has built a full ecosystem of filters, cases, and grips designed specifically for the new iPhones. You can now put a variable neutral density filter on your camera, meaning you can actually shoot at the proper shutter speed when you're doing video. There's an app called Filmic Pro that allows you to do really high bitrate recording. And it also lets you lock your shutter speed to get at that 180 degree shutter angle that you need for proper motion blur. The power of the incredible 10-bit Dolby digital video recording now on these phones is truly incredible. And getting a variable neutral density filter for that camera makes it even more pro. In addition to that, you can also use mist from Polar Pro that gives it that nice diffusion look. It's a thing that I personally love about the Polar Pro system with the new Peter McKinnon v ds It's all inside of this iPhone 12 set in addition to that you can also get the case that protects your phone really well but the great thing about the case is it allows you to put a little grip on it that has a little button on the grip it allows your hand to hold the phone much more like a proper camera and the trigger on the grip itself is Bluetooth enabled meaning you can use that to either start stop recording or take a picture. And the great thing about it is because it's wireless and because it's removable, you can actually set the phone down on a tripod or leave it, you know, on the ground, take the grip off and use it as a remote trigger for your photos. The grip has a quarter 20 thread on it so you can use it for a tripod mount and the case works with wireless charging and mag safe. So make sure to go over to PolarProFilters.com and sign up to get a free circular polarizer as part of the exclusive bundle with the new Light Chaser Pro system. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in to my conversation with Jacques. So I'm here today talking with Jacques Slade, and I'm a huge fan. Thank you so much for being on the Golden Hour Podcast. Thank you
0: for having me on the podcast, man. This is, oh. dope.
1: This is uh, probably the most uh, sudden friendship that I've ever had. You, <laughs> fo- you followed me on Twitter last week, and I followed you back, or I think I was already following you, but I sent you a message. I was just like, dude, what the heck? And then you said you're a fan, and I'm a fan of you, so yeah. like... This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it only
0: made sense. The synergies were there. They were, just, they were just waiting to happen.
1: The subject of your channel is different than anybody we've ever talked to, but I think a lot of people can take away um, a lot of things that you've learned along the way on your journey on YouTube as a creator, as a musician as well. We'll get into that. Um, but, dude, what is it like right now um, sitting at, you know, was it 1.3 million, 1.2 million, something like that, subscribers? Um, you know, full time creator now on YouTube. What's it like? What you know? Now that you've arrived at this point, um,
0: gosh, I, I hate to use. I don't want to use the word "arrived" uh, because I still like. I feel like <laughs> I'm just. I'm just really getting started. Um, it's you know, it's it's a surreal experience. You never expect that you're going to be able to live the life and be a creator. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's just not something that most kids grow up thinking that they'll be able to create. For a job like you'll be you figure you're going to work in some office building, um, you know, running numbers, looking at Excel sheets, you know, something something along those lines. And <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, for me, it's, it's kind of surreal that I like my job is to create things. My job is to create entertainment for people. And um, it's it's humbling and exciting and scary um, and it's fantastic and like it's hard and, and it's easy uh, it's like it's 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 great and it's terrible. Like it's all of these things <laughs> wrapped up into in, into one. But I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, it's it's such a it's really a great job to have. And uh, I'm very happy that uh, that I was lucky enough to kind of fall into this.
1: Dude, I can't relate anymore. Uh, I feel like what we do is very similar. I just talk about cameras, and you talk about shoes. But it's really uh, an amazing thing to f- to find something that you're just truly passionate about that you can start to just make your your own thing, and it becomes a job. It's such yeah. a weird uh, time in the creator world of things, like the fact that we're just rev- you're reviewing shoes and I'm reviewing cameras. Yeah like 20 years ago that wouldn't have been a profession
0: 10 years ago that wasn't a profession you know what I mean yeah
1: (laughs) especially for you with the shoe culture like it's always been a thing but it's really just exploded uh for the over the last decade I mean it's been incredible um let's get into that you know the shoe culture and and what that is now and um how you kind of got into that what's what's been your journey into the shoe world (laughs) uh i guess
0: well i mean I, i think like when when i was younger i obviously played basketball uh, and so basketball was kind of my avenue into the world of sneakers. You know, I loved, mm. I lo- there were kids in my neighborhood that were older than me, like the junior high and high school kids. And they had yeah. all the cool shoes and they could dunk and, you know, they did all this stuff on the basketball court. And of course, as a kid, you see that stuff and you go, oh man, if I had those shoes, I could do that too. Kind of thing. You know? <laughs> it's <laughs> um, like,
1: uh, if I had that camera, I could shoot. Right. Like Peter McKinnon. Right. 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 So you, you,
0: you <laughs> see stuff like that and, you know. You just kind of fall in love with all the outside outside parts and not really know about like the time that it takes to get there. Of um, course, and so. I guess I just kind of fell in love with it just from like watching the older kids in my neighborhood do, you know, wear cool sneakers. And that made me want cool sneakers because I wanted to be like them. And then, as you know, you get older and you start playing basketball and you're serious in basketball. and like, oh, I have to get this shoe because so-and-so is wearing that shoe. Or I got to get this shoe because it has <laughs> this sort of technology in it. And that's going to make my game better and, you know, all of those sorts of things. And yeah. so I just kind of stayed in it. And then in 2009, I actually started working in sneakers. So I was a journalist mm. for a sneaker publication, and I started writing about sneakers in 2009. And wow. then in 2010, um, I put up a YouTube video for them um, because there was there was content then, but like I wanted to try and push the limits of what sneaker content could be. And uh, so back in 2010, I just, I put up a, put up a video and like people, people took to it and it continued to grow. And then in 2013, I started doing it on my own, on my own channel. And that brought us to where we are now, where it's my full-time job. It's how I, you know, it's how I pay pay the mortgage. It's, you know, how, how I do everything.
1: It's how you buy more sneakers? Yes, yeah, how I buy more <laughs> sneakers. Yes, absolutely. It's an in, it's a cycle. Right? Yeah, oh, a terrible, <laughs>
0: terrible cycle. A terrible cycle.
1: At the time, uh, twenty ten. Uh, let's go back to then. What what was the sneaker content on YouTube at that time? Because I mean, YouTube in general was so different. I don't even know if there were that many people reviewing stuff at all, really. Yeah,
0: there there wasn't a ton of people reviewing stuff back then. There were there were a few people online doing sneaker content. There was like uh, Fran. Uh, Relations, He was doing stuff. There was a guy named Sneak Geeks that uh, that I knew about back then, and I believe there was this other guy named Rich that was doing stuff back then. Um, But those those were the guys that I knew about. Not not that there were there may have been other people, but those were the the kind of three that were on my radar. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were doing like you know like as content similar to what was happening back then in two thousand nine. Kind of very very authentic, very homegrown, uh, very like guerrilla style, like just. With the camera in yeah. my room, kind of thing, doing it, and uh, I wanted to kind of push that a little bit further, and so, um, I wanted to tr- create it like a news show, and so mm-hmm. I was doing like the, the stand up with like in front of the green screen with the little box, you know, with <laughs> yeah. the, like the little the TV box here. Um, yeah,
1: these are the new Jordans, yeah, yeah, these are the
0: new Jordans that are coming out, and like that's how. <laughs> I, I, that's how I, like how I envisioned it almost like an e-news or like an an entertainment news sort of slant to it. And yeah, yeah, no one else at the time was doing it like that. And so it kind of gave me, it it, it differentiated me from everything else that was out there.
1: That's amazing. What was it that spurred the idea to just do it yourself when you were working for that company?
0: Oh, well, I started doing it myself because I got fired. So that's, oh, what, that's nice. So. I didn't okay. really have a choice to do what to do it myself. <laughs> but in
1: 2013, there wasn't really like this path, uh, that I wouldn't even say there's a path now, but I mean, there's at least people like yourself and others who are making a full-time living with it in 2013. It wasn't like, you know, what you know, what'd be a great way to make a living is, uh, start a YouTube channel. Um. There were some
0: people that were making a living, not in the sneaker world, but just YouTubers in general that you saw that were doing really yeah, of well. Course. Yeah, Yeah, And so mm-hmm. I guess there was always in my back of my mind, like, oh, I could do this as as a job. But, you know, you just never think that it's actually going to happen. It's always like, yeah, I see all these other people doing it. But can, am I that guy? <laughs>
1: am I that guy? Am I lucky enough to be that guy? But you just went full in, huh? You just started cranking out, what, like one week, a couple yeah. of weeks? Yeah, back then yeah. I was
0: doing... I was either doing one or two a week, I believe, back then. Um, it, may, it may have even been more. Actually, it may have been more because what I, when I started doing it by myself, my thought was I'm going to be a video version of the sneaker blogs. So the mm-hmm. sneaker blogs, they were posting content every day, like multiple yeah. times a day, and obviously you I, you can't do that on YouTube. It's just you just the capacity yeah. to do one thing and edit and shoot it and post it and all of that course. like it takes is a process. So I went took that path, and uh, I think so. I think I may have been. I think I started out at first doing one a week, and then it went to two, and then I might have at some point doing like three or four a week, just delivering the like the news of that week of what was going on.
1: That's amazing, and uh, what what was the response like? And how was how was your growth at uh, the beginning? The
0: the it was it was slow churning at first. Um, I got really lucky uh, because because there wasn't a lot of video sneaker content out there. I was getting a lot of support from the different sneaker blogs because there mm. was there was just like nobody doing that sort of content out there, and it was unique at the time. So I was getting a lot of support. So that kind of helped keep my name in the circle, in the sneaker circle, so to speak. And so, <laughs> and so like it kind of started growing from there. Um, yep. But I think it took me, gosh, I want to say two years before I hit like 10,000 or something like that. Mm. Um, and then uh, it started to kind of start growing as it became more and more of a thing and more people started doing it. Yeah. that allowed me to grow. Like we all kind of grew together. Um, yeah.
1: and that, that helped a lot. It also, I mean, it's such a, it's fascinating for me to talk to you, man. Cause like I'm in this niche, this camera filmmaking niche and in our niche, there's really some of the biggest creators only maybe even have a million or, or under, um, a couple hundred thousand, mm-hmm. you know, I think Maddie is about to hit a million, which will be great for him. But, um, it's just rare. It's just a smaller niche. I feel like there's less people interested in camera filmmaking. And that's what McKinnon did is he really kind of bridged the gap of like being a vlogger and a photographer. And um, yeah. it's not just pure tech, but it seems like in the, the sneaker world, there's just a worldwide uh, fascination of it and uh, appreciation of it. it seems like a, a good n- niche to be in. What Would you say that's true?
0: Yeah, no, I would say it's true. It's because sneakers has like so many different aspects to it like if you're an athlete you're into sneakers because you're an athlete uh if you just (laughs) like sneakers you just like sneakers but you know and at the same time like everyone wears sneakers at some point Mm. um and then as sneakers became more and more popular and became a bigger part of pop culture people i think people started to get curious and wanted to know more about them and like that's the beauty of like youtube is like you could be into just Nike sneakers, and have a channel that's dedicated to just Nike, or a channel that's dedicated mm. to just Reebok, or or Adidas, or or Saucony, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So you, there's there's like a, a channel or there's a lane for everyone. Not not necessarily saying you'll get the sort of explosive growth like Peter. Um, I don't sure. think there's really anybody <laughs> in the sneaker world that has that that sort of Peter-like trajectory or growth. At least <laughs> not yet. Um, but you know you there are people with a million there's a couple couple sneaker bloggers that have like a million followers and so it's not yeah. it's not something like out of the ordinary it's it's definitely possible
1: for me it was actually Kanye cuz I'm a Kanye fan and I'm sure there's a lot of people that subscribe to you that uh maybe are similar to me and I just kind of like fell in love with Yeezy which like from the Yeezy brand I became more of a sneakerhead because I was like wait a minute what's this world that I like I didn't even I didn't grow up, you know, with that. But once the Kanye stuff started happening, I was like, dude, those are freaking awesome. And then I just started, like, learning about all this other stuff. That was I don't know when Kanye started doing shoes. I guess that was what, six years ago, seven years ago. But
0: uh, something like that. Yeah. Would you
1: say that that he has influenced the sneaker world uh, and has has changed a lot of it? Just that one guy. Is that possible? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, I don't think he's
0: changed a lot of it. I think what Kanye has been able to do is bridge the gap a little faster mm. than it would have been, um, because mm. Kanye was a household name and everybody knew who Kanye was. Whether you were, you know, a suburban mom that you know <laughs> yeah. that wears shoes from J.C. or you're like the biggest sneakerhead in the world you kind of had some sort of inkling of Kanye and who he was. So he was with Nike before and doing shoes Mm -hmm. with Nike. He did a couple of shoes with Nike. And then he had that big rift with Nike and decided to go to Adidas to do his own thing. And I think like the PR, the public, you know, the PR behind that whole move and everything that happened within (laughs) that move, it brought a lot of people in to kind of see like, what is it that's calling, causing all this fuss? What is all this, all this noise about, and yeah. that, and that brought in a lot of different people, not necessarily Kanye. I just think it was necessarily sure. he. He just happened to be a household name, and he was able to bring in a lot of people to to the fold.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously Michael Jordan is like that as well with his own yeah. line, and uh, you know the history of the Jordans is what you know. That's much deeper deeper roots on that than Kanye. Kanye is oh, yeah. new, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been fascinating to see like designs that i know yeezy put out uh, a couple years ago i'm starting to see at h&m you know and it's like there's for 12 dollars you can get a, a yeezy 700 now
0: <laughs> and like 700
1: ish yeah 700 ish or 500 ish all these chunky yeah, yeah these chunky dad shoes um what did you think yeah. of that trend i've I think it's over now, but it still seems to be going on. Yeah, I think tri- it's gone. Dad shoe.
0: I, I think the dad shoe trend has run its course. Um, <laughs>
1: it's like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. No, and, I mean, it, to each his own. Like, it, it
0: wasn't something that I was super into. Um, I, I didn't get any of the quote-unquote dad shoes. Puma had one that was actually pretty – that was okay that I really liked because it had almost like a running shoe style aesthetic.
1: Um,
0: the Supra or whatever, the um the RS know. the RSX uh, the Puma okay. RSX was the one that kind of like all right I was like all right I'll, I'll go with that one, <laughs> um and I I actually wore that one quite a bit just because it was a comfortable shoe but it had that sort of like dad shoe aesthetic to it I didn't get into the big bulky stuff um, yeah kind of well but happens. I mean even like now like I don't know if that Fila one is still popping but that Fila had a, like a, a huge run in that yeah. world. Like uh, every girl you saw that was stylish yeah. at all had a pair of like those, that Fila dad shoes.
1: I used to live in Orange County and we'd go to the Irvine spectrum and I would just see those Fila's everywhere <laughs> at the yeah. at the Irvine it, spectrum. It, it, yeah. um, I, I got the 700 and I showed it to you cause I, yeah. I love the irony of it and the colors and just the boldness of it. It totally like fits my personality of just being kind of loud and crazy. So, um, and it's a comfortable shoe and they're so comfy. Boost is amazing. Except after yeah. you wear it out, it starts to get kind of gummy and weird, but, um, <laughs> you know, this, um, you know, I don't, I haven't told you this yet, but I actually discovered you from, um, a shoe documentary that I saw and you were featured in the the documentary um what film was that was that on youtube uh, like a shoe doc or something or i don't or was it on netflix um, do you know what i'm talking about
0: i don't i, I- I've I've been in a couple of documentaries so I'm not sure which one. Is. <laughs> yeah, okay, well then uh I guess we can't
1: pinpoint it but
0: I it might have been pre- Abstract. It might have been Abstract cuz that's the most popular one cuz a lot of people see Abstract. The one there's there's like a Tinker Hat filled episode and I'm in the Tinker uh, episode.
1: Yep, that that was probably it cuz um I love that series and it's yeah, it's an amazing series of uh incredible artists. Um I think I I saw some of your videos when I was just Researching shoes before, but um, it was that documentary that I was like, I need to check him out. And then I saw that you're like friends with all the tech YouTubers and uh, mm-hmm. gear reviewers, and I'm and then and I see you talk about stuff, and I'm like, wait a minute. So are you a part of the gear tech world? Are you a part of the shoe world? You really, I, I feel like before we start our conversation, you're like, I think I secretly want to be a tech reviewer. But oh, I do. Oh, <laughs> tell I me do. about that.
0: I do. I do. I do. Uh, I just think it's so cool. Like I'm, I'm so passionate about it. I love it. Like I, I started when I started making YouTube videos. Um, like that, that was something I always wanted to, to kind of, to kind of do was like be a photographer. Like a photographer was something like I've always kind of wanted to do in some shape or form. So I started making YouTube videos, and around the same time, I got my first camera. It was like the T2I. Um, oh heck yeah! And so I <laughs> started. One. I started shooting with that. And like just taking pictures, or, you know, around the city, uh, I worked for the city of Santa Clarita for a little while, like as a, as a, nice. um, as an independent contractor, just going around taking pictures of like the events that they were holding at the parks, so that they could use them uh-huh. for their like magazine that they would send out. So, I did I did a lot of that, and um, as I started to get more and more into it. You start paying more attention to this camera, and then you want to upgrade. Okay, <laughs> yep. um, and then you want to get it's the, the one same f-
1: cycle you're in with sneakers. <laughs> yeah, the same, the same exact
0: cycle. Then, uh, then like I remember, like the 5D came out, and then the uh, oh, it was dude, the yeah. 6D, and then the 7D, the 7D Mark II, and like you just you like see all these things. You're like, oh, I got to get, <laughs> I want to get on this train, and then like the like the big thing for me that really started, uh, I think it was it was like the 6D when the 6D came out and was like full frame, and it was like okay. Yeah. Like, all right, I need to. I started really. I started up. really digging. Um, then from there, um, I think I went from Canon, and that's when I jumped to to Panasonic with the GH4. Uh
1: huh. For the first uh, kind of 4K mirrorless. Yeah. So it was, I had, it was affordable I had,
0: too. I had a GH4, and yep. then I had a GH5. Another
1: and great then one. Then I went from the <laughs>
0: GH5. I went to the A7 III. And then from the a7 III, I went to the a7S III, which is what Heck I use yeah. now. Um, and then I also have an FX9 because I'm terrible.
1: <laughs> nice, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, the a7S III has really been insane. I've loved uh, using it, reviewing it. I did a comparison with the Venice 6K on Indie mm-hmm. Mogul, and I was so surprised at how close I could get the color from the a7S III to match the $60,000 Venice camera. Right. Um, Sony doesn't claim that it has the same color science because I think they just want to uh, protect, you know, the lineup, but I in my yeah. to my eye it's like pretty much identical. Um which is nuts to say that it can stand up to that. We also compared it to the Alexa camera and that one looks completely different because it's a, just a different sensor altogether, but still yeah. it uh is amazing what you can get now. The A7S3 in my opinion is like kind of the perfect camera finally like we've we've kind of we have arrived now it's like okay the next frontier will be like 6k 8k resolution you know maybe better raw recording you know in the future but uh pro raw is on it and that's really good but anyways you know this isn't a crazy gear talk uh, no but that
0: but that's that's true that's i was i was i was thinking about that like after the a7 at the, the a7s3 is pretty much what we've always kind of wanted in a camera. Uh, if you're a vlogger, if you're a photographer, uh, if you do videos in studio, it pretty much has everything that you need. Uh, you can shoot an S-Log3. Uh, you can mm-hmm. just go, and you can, you can even use the standard profile if you don't want to, if you're not doing any color grading and it still looks yeah. fantastic. It does 120 in 4K. You yeah. know, <laughs> it like there's like, it's like, what more 10-bit. can you, a 10 bit, like what else is there really that you, do you want from a camera? It's sharp. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's everything that really you want in a camera. Like after the a seven S three, like it is, I mean, I guess really what you said is like, okay, now I'm going to shoot six K or now I'm going to shoot eight K or 12 K. If you're black magic, like it's
1: crazy. I still haven't played with that one, but, uh, I talked to my friend Armando. He said it took like 12 hours to export the 12 K video, oh <laughs> so, gosh. but, uh, but Armando yeah, uses no,
0: Premiere, So whatever yeah exactly <laughs> is, so that well, final count. cut users over it, here yeah
1: yeah I, st- I walked into indie mogul and uh they're all premiere and i i tried it for like a week and i was just like i'm sorry i can't do this <laughs> so i'm editing in final cut while the other guys are are in premiere and we're we're making it work <laughs> so, but awesome, um yeah. but yeah i think let's let's go way back here i was just curious i went on your YouTube channel, and I went to the date oldest, and then I saw this Uh-oh. video called Get Your Hands Up, and I was like, Wait a minute, yeah, KU's a superstar over yeah. here. What the heck is that? Tell me about your previous life <laughs> as a rapper, musician.
0: Yeah, so when I first, um, my first goal was to be in entertainment in some way, and uh, I wanted to be a rapper, obviously. So I did an album, um, didn't do very awesome. well. Um, but music sounded I, I did, good. Though. I did shot a did shoot a music video for it. Um, cost me like like two thousand dollars or something like that, dude.
1: That's pretty good for yeah. two grand. Yeah, back it then. said it was thirteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. I just hired a
0: bunch of friends. Um, you know, I knew I, I I happened to know a director. Um, guy named Eddie Bowles. He was a, he's a director, and he was just like, yeah, 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 I'll do it for you. He hired he <laughs> hired awesome. like the gaffer and all that stuff and then all the people in the video are, are all my friends basically <laughs> literally everyone is my friend um the the girl that i'm interested in is actually my girlfriend was my girlfriend at the time um <laughs> her best friend the other girl her name is terrica she she's actually married to antonio Cromartie right now uh, the football player <laughs> um, and uh everybody else they're all just friends like literally just yeah. friends from college
1: That's amazing. The reason that I think it's an important point to bring up is uh, similar, again, similar to myself. I was a magician for six years. I don't know if you knew that, but I was a i was I a that. professional illusionist uh from 14 to my early 20s and um that's actually how i met my wife she was a hostess and uh i was performing at that restaurant and that's how we met so we met through magic um <laughs> but i i did that full time i performed at like three restaurants a week and i did a lot of like corporate parties and birthday parties and uh shows and uh was on track to have a manager and everything go on the road, but, um, I decided to to go the video route instead. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy I did, but those six years of performing and, you know, there's videos of you on stage performing. I think a lot of that is played into being a a YouTuber. I think a lot of people underestimate the skill set of performance and, um, and what it takes to be a performer on camera. Can you speak to that as a, YouTuber. And, you know, it's not just the review for you. You're also playing a character in a sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. I tell people all the time that regardless of how my quote unquote rap career turned out, like there's things from that, that I use now, like you, when you're, it's just you and the microphone in front of a crowd, like you've got to turn it on. Like they're they're there (laughs) to see you entertain. And so for me it's like, that's, that's what I'm doing. Every video is entertaining. Yes. I'm giving you information on sneakers and I love sneakers and I'm passionate about it, but I've got to entertain you in some ways, fashion or form. Mm. And that's what I'm doing. Like, uh, whether it's just me and a DJ or me and a band, like you have to entertain that crowd and make sure that they're enjoying themselves, whether that's telling jokes or talking to them or performing the song, dancing around, whatever it is, you're 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 entertaining them. And so I, I definitely pull from that experience of being in clubs with people that are drunk and not really paying <laughs> attention and going extra hard just to get people to notice what's going on. So yeah, I've I've been there and like I use that every time I'm on camera. It's definitely brought me a lot of skill and taught me a lot.
1: Absolutely. I think um I've I've met a couple of YouTubers. I'm not going to mention who they are, but when you meet them in person, you're like, oh dang, they're very antisocial. <laughs> because uh it, it can be easy to get into this if you are a little antisocial and you're just in your room with a with a, a phone, you know, filming yourself and uh and then you go out in the real world and you meet other people or you meet your fans and it's like You're not prepared for that but yeah, for me you know when i was 14 years old my first job was you know going table to table asking strangers if they want to see a magic trick you know and so that really gave me a lot of confidence yeah. and taught me how to, to speak to strangers and it's hard it's hard right like if some somebody comes up to you and says hey man i want to do what you're doing it's like okay well go be a rapper for 3 years right, right. <laughs> and then and then and then learn how to make videos it's like you know i don't even know where to point point them to i've even considered maybe doing a course or something on on performing and on what it's like to you know be good on camera because I think again like we said it's it's a art form in of itself and the people who are the best at it on YouTube like Casey Neistat comes to mind like I don't think he would even say this out loud because he might not even be aware of it but he is so electric on camera and he's so uh, his ch- charisma is so contagious yeah. that you just want to watch everything he does. Yeah. Same for Peter, same for Potato Jet. You know, I Justine, all these people have such a contagious personality and they might not even be aware of it. Right. Um, you know, what what do you have to say about that? <laughs>
0: no, I, I I think that it's uh it's just part of being an entertainer. You know, that you see people, exactly. there's certain entertainers that you see and you go, "Oh, there's something about that person." And I think a lot of YouTubers are a lot YouTube has allowed a lot of those people that you saw around that were friends or friends of friends or that you met at a party and was like, man, he's like, that's, that's, he's really cool. Like that's, that's really really cool. Like the dude's really cool. Or like, or if if, like, if it's a family member, one of your friends are like, dude, you should be on TV. Like, why aren't you on TV? Like a lot of those people (laughs) have been able to find successful careers in YouTube. You know, the gates, the gate, have been taken down. And like, now there's opportunities Mm. for those people where before they may not have had the opportunity to be, um, to entertain folks, or it was only on on a local level. But now with this, it it expands and now it allows that, that charisma or character or personality or whatever it is that they have to come out. And, um, they can pretty much do whatever they
1: want. I'm looking on your channel here about six years ago, there seems to be Kind of a moment where your thumbnail started getting more focused, uh you started really understanding YouTube, understanding uh sneaker culture, and then all of a sudden you got this interview with Kobe, yeah, <laughs> tell me about that, man. That was six years ago, yeah. two hundred and fourteen thousand views. Was that the first time that you had a moment like that with yeah. with the celebrity? Yeah, that was my I mean, I had done
0: like group interviews with people before. Uh, but this was the first time that I had like a one-on-one sit-down interview with somebody. Mm. Um, Tell
1: us about Kobe. What was that like?
0: Uh, well, first, I was woefully under underprepared. Um, it was just me. <laughs> Literally me with two cameras and two wireless labs, no lights, <laughs> just trying to make it work. Uh, thankfully, um, there was somebody there that was recording it for Nike as well. And so they kind of like monitored the cameras for me to make sure that nothing happened while I was doing the interview. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's woefully underprepared. Um, So I would say from there uh, is is when I kind of find out like I just like the nuance of interviews and seeing how when you talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about, like it makes the interview so much easier and so much better. Like Kobe was very. very knowledgeable about his shoes and just about marketing and all of those sorts of things. And so he was very engaging. He's, I would say absolutely the best interviewer that I've had, that I've had a chance to talk to. He locks in with you, engages with you. There's nobody else in the room. Like he literally makes you feel like it's just you and him talking. And like, that's, that's very, that's very rare. Like a lot of times you feel like you're pulling information from people but mm-hmm. with Kobe, it's literally just it's just like you and him. I remember my very last interview with him was um, probably about last year around this time. Oh wow! Um, and it was for this dream project Nike was doing, where they were uh, giving these kids like their their dream opp- their opportunity to train with like their dream athlete, and Kobe was one of the athletes. And after we did the interview and kind of talked about the program and everything, like, we probably took, you know, just two or three minutes. Like, oh, so, how? You, like, you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, man. How you been? Like, everything's great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I talked about uh, the cartoon that he was doing and the podcast that he was doing. I was like, yeah, I like it. I think you should, you know, I, I had some ideas. I've been watching and I think you should probably do, like, you know, I can't wait till you do, like, a movie and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, those are those are uh, some of the plans that we have coming down the line and the book that he had. And like, wow. it was like, it was like a conversation of just like him, him and I just, just eye to eye talking like nobody, like there was, you know, probably 10, 15 other people in the room and it was yeah. just him and I just, just like shooting the shit for like two or three minutes after the interview <laughs> was over. And you know, it's like amazing. that, that doesn't usually happen. Usually like you interview somebody and they're skirted away as soon as you're like, okay, cool. Thanks. You know, appreciate the interview. And they're like, and they're gone. You know what I mean? So
1: <laughs> yeah. it, it's,
0: it's amazing. Well, it has a had lot like to like
1: say that. about his character and how, you know honest he was as a person and uh i mean you guys i get how many times have you interviewed him then uh i think
0: three times have been him and i one-on-one so he's seen you and knows you and you know yeah yeah like we 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 recognize each other in like a in a in a public space yeah
1: Wow, what a what a treasure for you to to hold on to for you know your oh, whole absolutely. life to to say that you knew the man and uh, you know he's yeah. going to go down in history as one of the one of the greatest athletes of all time and absolutely um, you know what a what an honor for you to do that that's awesome man yeah did what happened from that point I mean the fact that Nike did Nike set that up with you or like, yeah Nike okay. Nike
0: set that up Nike set that up for me
1: it's interesting how these brands have now slowly begun to understand how social media is is working and how powerful it is um, speak to that and how like in a way we are you know in my case for camera companies and in your case for shoe companies we're promoting the product for free but also giving our honest opinion and if it sucks we're gonna call it out and talk about yeah. it but you've got these relationships with these companies and you you know you're probably friends with people that might even work for those companies so but you then you want to stay unbiased because of the laws yeah. of you know the way that this whole thing works how do you navigate that in terms of you know not being paid off by a company and i'm sure people accuse you of crap all the time oh
0: absolutely absolutely i mean for one i i don't talk about anything that i don't like Mm. so i've i've kind of i've made a decision where if, if i like hate something or if it's just terribly done i i just don't speak to it so the stuff that you see on my channel either i i i like it in some form or i like something about it um and it's just not something that, that i feel like is just terrible um and that's just a decision a decision that i that i've made and you know it has its ups and it's down on one hand like i i don't i don't because like, I choose not to bash anybody. Like, that's not my goal to bash anybody or um, speak negatively about somebody. But at the same time, people will think, will take it as well. Like, we need to know what's bad as well. And I get, and I understand that as well. And there's people out there to do that. And for me, like, I, I, I provide a lot of that feedback kind of behind the scenes for people. Like, hey, try this mm. out, just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. Didn't feel right felt like it fit wrong. The materials are falling apart. There's glue stains, like that sort of stuff. I give that feedback kind of, kind of behind the scenes. Um, but I won't actually review it on my channel. Like if it's terrible, like it just, I just don't feel like it's worth it to put that negative energy into the world.
1: Yeah. I totally can understand that. And I think when I was starting out, I didn't fully understand that. And now I'm starting to see, yeah, I mean like there's people behind every product that comes out And there's also people who like that product too that um it, it might be a smaller group of people uh who might like that particular type of style of shoe um and they're making those shoes for those people and that's totally fine like it's very opinionated. It's not a factual thing. Sometimes when you're talking about style and fashion, especially,
0: yeah, and and so. it can and also kind of depends on the angle that you take. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I, feel like Gerald does a great job of kind of addressing everything as a whole and pointing out the good <laughs> and the bad. You know, and very that's thorough. like that's angle. And but you know, a, a lot of times you'll see people if something is something a particular thing about it is bad. People will make that the focus. This is terrible. This is, mm-hmm. this. The, the whole thing is bad. And and that's not necessarily yeah. the case. Like, let's take the GH5, for instance. It does a lot of amazing things. Like, the yeah. GH5 is the uh, Swiss army knife of cameras, for the most part. It shoots 4K. It does 4K 60. You can do anamorphic. You know, you can do, you can ex- go, go <laughs> external to, to 10-bit. Like, you can do all these things with the GH5. Um, but the focus is terrible like
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. right
0: but like le- legitimately the focus <laughs> is bad you know what i mean uh-huh. and that's yeah
1: right we're seeing that right now with the uh the canon r5 and r6 you know with the overheating issues right however uh <laughs> it is quite unusable i just did a review of it so all oh, right oh, see yeah, tuned, and the, but,
0: but if that, yeah and that's the case like if it's unusable it's unusable
1: yeah <laughs> for filmmakers it's unusable for photographers shooting an occasional video it's fine and right. if you want to shoot on the lower settings uh, the 4K settings and whatnot uh, is fine, but I wouldn't recommend spending four grand on a camera that you can only use half of its capacity on. So, right. <laughs> but those are things you can say, you know, and not completely bash the company, I guess. Um, yeah, and, and again, it's
0: how you do it. Like, it's okay to say something is wrong with something, but when you just take that as like an opportunity to bash the company, that's. That's different and that puts things in a yeah. different light. And it also like it almost almost kinda speaks to who you are, I think, as a creator, um or as a person. Like if that like every everything has its flaws. Nothing is yeah. perfect. You know what I mean? Even as much as I love the A7S3, like it's not <laughs> absolutely perfect. Like I like the fact that we have to buy of 100 whatever it is dollar sd cards in order to get the full functionality (laughs) of it like the cf express a card and then you have to buy a cf express reader in order for it for it just to even read the cards and
1: and they're sold out everywhere and they're sold (laughs) out everywhere (laughs) and they're only
0: in 80 gigabytes and 160 gigabytes and you know as much space as you know all i um codecs take up you know you like oh well obviously i need a bigger card than this i don't want to shoot for 13 minutes (laughs) you know what i mean so like you have all of these things but at the same time, it's a great camera. Otherwise, it's a great camera. And it's pretty oh, much the, it, the best all-around camera that you can get. So all of those things kind of factor into it.
1: So here we are, you know, again, 2020, you've, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, you would be considered a, you know, successful YouTuber. You're making a living on it. Do you have people working for you? Are you are you, are you all by yourself making these, these videos by yourself? Do you have no, no,
0: no. I have... Um... I have an editor that I work with, a editor slash producer that I work with. And I also have a writer slash producer that I work with. Um, amazing. They, I, I, you... I, I couldn't do this on my own.
1: Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I was so attracted to work with Indie Mogul is just the transition from going completely solo to having a team. It's just been so valuable and it, it gives you so much less stress in your life. It's amazing. Um A lot of people obviously are listening and they're saying, yeah, I would like that too. But uh, it's a process and it it takes time to get to that point. What was that point for you when you decided it was time to hire somebody to help you?
0: Um, So for like the editor producer that I work with, I had been hiring him for like random things when I needed help. Um, mm-hmm. and it just became, it was just going to like, like be more and more and more. And it just made sense to, to have him a part of the team instead of just hiring him out for every little single thing that I needed. Um, mm-hmm. and it helped me kind of transition things away from me that I didn't necessarily need to do, or it made, it also allowed me to double up work. So if I shoot yeah. an unboxing video, he can start putting a timeline together and start the edit while I'm shooting B-roll or, yep. or vice versa. You know what I mean? And like now that time is being used for two purposes as opposed to just being used for one. Or if I'm doing like administrative stuff, he can be editing while I'm going through emails and having meetings or doing podcasts, you know what I mean? (laughs) He could be working, you know, he can still be like doing editing. And so like the, the, the work, doesn't stop the workflow doesn't stop for everything that I have to stop and do if I'm taking exactly. it the equation he' still be able to put stuff together um, so and like the writer that I work with like we we collaborate on the show that I do for um Instagram called what's Poppin so mm-hmm. he he helps he helps with the writing uh, I do a show called hard pass he helps with the writing for that just because I don't have time to do all of those things in the in the course of a week um, if I had to do that and and shoot and edit and do it like it just I just wouldn't have time to to be able to pump it out that way
1: it's too much man it blows my mind there are there are people like casey who like he still does it all by himself i think but i heard a rumor that he has a music person that like finds his his tracks because like no matter what video he puts out his music is always so on point it's it blows my mind yeah he finds he finds some
0: great music but even even like with casey he does all of it on his own but like casey had people doing administrative stuff for him like he mm. wasn't, he wasn't doing a lot of that stuff. There was people doing that for That's him. That's true. And then he hired an editor. I know he hired an editor at one point. And then he had like, um, Brew. I forgot his name. The guy from South Africa. Oh, uh, Dan.
1: Uh, Dan Mace.
0: Dan, Dan Mace. Like Dan Mace was helping him he was with helping edits for shoot. a little yeah, while. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so like, I think uh, it, it all kind of plays you, into it.
1: You get if to to grow and to scale your business. Um, there's this point where it's like, okay, I, I need to like budget myself where I'm actually technically making less. But I'm making an investment in the business by hiring somebody and that's going to further the, uh, further the business. Yeah. And it's
0: more about the future, like the future of the business. And like, this is going to enable us to do even more in the future and earn more in the future.
1: Mm. What are some of those mistakes in business and entrepreneurship that you've you've made over the course of your journey here on YouTube that you would want to share with our listeners?
0: Um, I guess I guess a lot of it was initially undervaluing myself, not mm. realizing what I was bringing to the table, and you know just being just being happy to be a part of the conversation, kind of thing. Um, at a certain point, that kind of starts to wear off, where you're just happy to be a part of the conversation, and then you start to realize, well. I'm helping to like dictate the conversation or uh, I'm doing something different or there's value to what I'm doing or I have ideas that can help push things further along. And I think you have to value yourself and take the opportunity to be like, this is great, but like I have to I have to kind of step it up here. So for me, that big moment was hiring a manager. Um, to help me in hiring a lawyer, like I would get these offers from brands to do stuff, and I would just be like, "Oh, okay, cool, sure, five hundred dollars, sure, yeah, let's, I'll take it. That's great, thank you." I could use five hundred dollars, yeah, and not and not knowing that they were hiring someone else that was doing less work than I was that had less influence than I was, but had maybe a manager or a lawyer, and they're getting paid five thousand dollars, and you're like, "Wait a minute, how does that work?" <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember, I did a project where I shot some BTS for a brand mm. and uh i got paid it was a, it was a nice check by, by the way i got i got paid a nice amount for it um and i showed it to some friends that worked at agencies that did you know that would kind of do the same thing um and he's like yo how much you could pay for this and i was like oh i got, I got paid it was nice and he's like just to let you know like if an agency did something like this they probably would have got like between 50 and seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> and I was like, what? What <laughs> heck?
1: You already thought it was a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was like, Are you kidding me? And he's like, No. He's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he's like, Oh, for this? Easily. Easily. He's like, at a
1: minimum we would have charged forty thousand dollars for this. Mm. Yeah. And I was wow. like,
0: holy crap.
1: <laughs> I mean the, you gotta remember the the products that we're talking about here, especially, you know, this in the sneaker world, they're selling, you know, millions of these things. They're making gahoots of money, like Kanye West was fifty million in debt, now he's a billionaire. So right, <laughs> there's there's real uh, there's real money behind this, and it, I think unfortunately a lot of these companies take advantage of influencers because they know that it's just a scrappy uh, job where a lot of these people are just coming from nothing and starting a channel, and uh, you know, hey, we'll give you a grand to review it, and it's like cool. But back in the old days, you'd spend you know a hundred thousand dollars on a commercial. Uh, and they're taking that hundred thousand dollars and allocating it out to like a thousand influencers. Um, so and and i get and i
0: get it that's their job their job is to get their job is to get you to create the best thing you possibly can for as little money as possible (laughs) of course that and that (laughs) mean that's and that's literally their job it's like how can i get you (laughs) how can i get you to do this for free that's that that is the job of a lot of people in the industry and on the brand side how can Mm -hmm. i get this person to do this for free um, cause it's going to look one, it's going to look good on their bottom line. Cause they didn't spend mm. as much money in their budget that year, or they can use that money for something else. But mm. oftentimes they'll get you to do it free, but they'll pay somebody else. So like, at mm. that point it's like, wait a minute, like now I just feel like I'm being used. And that, yeah. that changes the conversation.
1: So what's your, what's your workflow look like when you get a new product? Say you get a, an unreleased, uh, sneaker that, you know, you're under an NDA it's coming out in a week. What's like, what it, I'm just curious myself, because <laughs> I'm in this situation almost every month, um, you're get you get the product, you probably have less time than you wish you had with it. How do you develop a video that can stand out when now we're living in a world where there are more people doing this, you got to kind of stand out from the crowd, you're going to be one of 100 other or at least a dozen other YouTubers talking about the same product. How do you stand out? And how do you build your kind of template for that video? I think
0: the, the thing about standing out is you making sure you give it your own voice and understanding mm-hmm. who you are and why that company came to you for that product. Um, you like I, I see a lot of people trying to do what other people are doing and be like other people, but that's not why that company came to you. Like If, if you've been producing content one way and your particular voice for all of this time and that company saw that and was like, hey, we want to work with this person, continue doing that. I'm not saying don't grow and be better but continue giving it your own voice because that's what you—that's what's unique about it. If you've been able to grow an audience because of your unique voice, continue using that unique voice. So for mm-hmm. me, when I receive a product, I know that i the way that I approach things, that you know, there's a, a bit of entertainment. I know I want it to look incredible. I know I want it to look beautiful. Um, I also know I want it to be educational. So I want to give some sort of context around it. I know I want to tell the story. I want to give the people reasons why they want to buy it, uh, why why it's important in the world of sneakers, so I try to take and pull from all of those things, um, so that when I do my review or I do my unboxing, that it incorporates that stuff, and that's what people come to me for. Um, I mm. don't try to be somebody else. That like I don't try to be the super tech heavy guy um, like Nightwing. Like there's a guy named Nightwing Chris who is just like a savant when it comes to like the technology <laughs> in sneakers and the, and how sneakers are made. Like he just knows that stuff and. Mm-hmm it's great. His content is incredible, but I know that's not my voice and that's not how I get down. So I don't try and be him. So I think it's all, it's all about, all about being you and kind of keeping your individuality, um, throughout the process.
1: Absolutely. We got, we got some of those people in, in the camera community as well. Obviously you mentioned Gerald Undone. He's kind of like, when he first started, I, I was, he didn't really land on what he was doing now. It's taken him a while to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I've been, it's been really cool to watch him and he's really carved out probably similar to Nightwing where it's like, he is literally the expert. When you click his video, you know that he's probably spent like two weeks researching the thing. It's like, you're not, there's not a second wasted. I have sent videos of Gerald's to friends of mine who are like, hey, tell me about the new camera. And then I send it to them. They're like, this is more information than I need. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, but I like, I totally nerd out on it. And, um, and then you have people like Joshio from make art now. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but like, he just tells these Epic film stories about like, he'll take a product and then make like a short film out of it. And it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but he's only doing like one of those a month cause he doesn't have the time for it. Um, it's it's so cool and I think again when people ask and people who are listening who are maybe considering starting a YouTube channel often the thing that I hear is is it too crowded you know are there too many people doing this the answer is no it's not the, there's so many people interested in all sorts of products and YouTube continues to grow. It continues to take over television and replace television for people. And there's nobody like you. It sounds so cheesy and uh, stereotypical, but it's true. There's nobody on the planet like yourself. So highlight those things, those characteristics that make you unique. And, I'm I'm saying this out loud for myself too because I find myself you know watching Gerald and and Josh and I'm inspired by them and I'm like oh, man you know I could never do that I, I want to do that you know and um, every time I try I just fall flat on my face you know because it's like I actually did I did a review once where I scripted the whole thing and it was very Gerald like and I showed it to Ted my boss at Indie Mogul Ted Sim and he was like dude just be more Dave. He was like, I don't know what you did here, but it doesn't feel right. He's like, just be more Dave. That's why I hired you. I was like, oh wow. And that was a good note. And like since then the last couple of videos I've done, I've really tried to highlight things that that are more me. And um, I think everybody should just think about that when they're making videos.
0: Yeah. I mean, for people that think it's too crowded, uh, tell them to think about how many crime shows there are on television? <laughs> That's so like, true. Think about that. <laughs> like, there's a reason why all these crime shows exist. If they, if people weren't watching them, they wouldn't keep making them there's mm-hmm. think about how many csis there are there's like eight thousand csis and, <laughs> and it's all and we all know the story of what's going to happen in those shows so yep. but but they each have their own individual character or their own individual personality, and that's what makes them special and that's why people continue to watch them so I would tell the people like right. just think about think about crime dramas there's there's sitcom there's crime sitcoms there's crime dramas there's uh, reenactments of crime, you know. There's all of these different <laughs> sorts of crime shows, so mm-hmm. obviously people are watching this content, and there's something about each one in its own individual way. So you just have mm. to find which which is your own individual way to reach an audience.
1: My wife just showed me a YouTuber who she's a makeup uh, creator, and she tells true crime stories as she's doing makeup and i'm like that's brilliant it's like blowing up her channel
0: brilliant brilliant <laughs> you know what i mean that everybody you got to find what's your angle and what's interesting to you there we should
1: a- start a uh, true crime sneaker channel true crime sneaker <laughs> channel
0: this is the yeezy 700 did you know
1: <laughs> in in the 700s <laughs> in the 700s <laughs> that's amazing yeah um So we talked about, uh, gear and stuff like what is, I can relate to how you might feel in your brain. Like I've, I'm, I'm always making videos about one thing and my, my brain just can't stop but think about other things. And I'm like, I'm constantly balancing as a creative, like, okay, I I did some of these music video parodies and I tried that and it didn't, didn't go too well, but I want to do more. Uh, I've got the superhero concept. I've got, um, you know, I want to do like a vlog or something completely unrelated to camera stuff. What is it about creatives? You think that like, you, you told me like the first thing you said when we got on the video is like, I wish I could talk about camera stuff, you know, like, what is it? It's like, you've, you're, you're making a living doing sneaker stuff. You love sneakers. I love camera stuff, but like, as a creative, I can't help, but want to like, play around in other avenues and stuff. I don't know. I think that's
0: just the nature of being a creative. Like you want to just create and see what, see what's possible. Um, And you, and you also don't want to pigeonhole yourself, I guess, you know, you you want to do, make sure you don't lock yourself in. And then that's all you're known for. Like for me, that was a big thing. I don't want that. I don't want that to, that all to be the sneakers be the only thing that I'm known for. So like I use, so I I, want to, at, at some point do like a late night talk show. So mm. I started doing hard pass where I'm sitting at a desk and just talking, kind of talking to prompter and telling jokes and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's through the lens of sneakers. So mm-hmm. that with that, that'll allow me to eventually, if I want to transition away from sneakers, it'll show people, Oh, he can sit down and talk about anything. He can sit down and talk to prompter. Um, yeah. I've done stand uh, I've I've been hosting events. Like I do, I try to, I try to utilize sneakers to reach those creative outlets. So sneakers, is, I mean, tech is the only thing that I haven't really found a way to kind of really incorporate into the sneaker world. And I'm just kind of just forcing it out there, just putting it on my channel, whether people watch it or not. So uh, like the Xbox, like I have the Xbox series X yeah. and the series S. And so I'm doing content on it and it, mm-hmm. it probably does a 10th of the views that I would get on a sneaker <laughs> video, but I'm putting that energy out there because I want it to be known that I'm passionate about this and that I can talk mm. about this. Um, so I I guess it, it's hard to to fight that urge, like I still want to do music. So that's something that bothers me. You know, yeah. I, I wanna I wanna shoot a film, I wanna write a sitcom. Like there's all these things that I wanna do. And I feel like there's no reason to limit myself. I think if anything what we've been able to accomplish, you 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 included, what we've been able to accomplish on YouTube so far, lets us know that if we want to do something, that the opportunity is there, and we can get out there and do it. We, yeah, it, the only person holding us back is is us. So mm. that's that's kind of the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, man, that's when I started too. It was like all about entertainment and finding a way to just make it entertainment, so that if for some reason some producer sees it, they can kind of see through the product review aspect and be like, you know what Jacques can actually perform on camera. So let's give him right. a shot, you know, at a talk show or whatever. Um, yeah. However, you know, here we are reaping the benefits of the new, you know, medium, which is YouTube. You know, I don't know if I want to like, I've heard David Dobrik say like he wants to get on television and stuff, but it's like, yeah, he's got, he has 10 million followers that watch everything he does now on YouTube. It's just a weird blend where still Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel gets, you know, on trending because, you know, it's NBC and it's got 700,000 views and you're getting 7 million views on uh, something else. It's like it's it's weird how the world works. But
0: yeah, so like I I think about that a lot and I think a lot of it is because traditional television, um, even though I always tell myself, literally, I'm like, Jacques, don't stress it. You're doing well. Like Jacques, you're fine. Like literally talking to myself, Jacques. Don't worry, Jacques. You're great. But there is still something that there's an appeal. There's a magic to television. Mm. You know what I mean? There's Mm. a magic to being in that space. And I I don't know if it's just the um, the uh, the approval of like my parents. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like I think that that is just the goal. It's kind of it still remains the gold standard. It's where where you mm. kinda wanna end up. I think for me, the ultimate, and I, and I go back and forth about this all the time, is <laughs> that I wanna be able to bridge those worlds. I wanna be able mm. to be on TV and do like do like a sitcom, but also have like my YouTube channel and do those things there. Um, mm. Although I'm not sure those two worlds can fully exist together. Um, yeah. I think it's almost one or the other. Like Will, Will does a great job of kinda bridging that gap, but I, I also kind of feel like the buzz of him digitally is dying out and kind of You're losing. You talking about its Will steam. Smith? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and losing <laughs> and losing its steam. Um, and like everyone that's kind of come to the platform that's trying to do it in an authentic way. Like, it pops at first, but then you kind of lose – people lo- lose interest. And
1: Yeah, Jack Black even, yeah. Yeah,
0: Jack Black. So even, like, Kevin James. Uh, I love what yeah. Kevin James is doing. Um, but it's kind of unique to him. I think they if they find something that's unique to them, mm-hmm. that's what's going to make it special as opposed to trying to do what everybody else is doing. I feel like that's the thing with Will. I feel like Will's doing what everybody else is doing, um, mm. but at a, at a higher production level, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if like finding what's unique to Will once once Will and his team find out what's unique to him, mm. I think that is going to be where his sustainability happens. Versus yeah. everybody watching him just because he's Will and he's a celebrity now, there's there still needs some, to be something unique about him that I think um, people need to that will people will um, will be attracted to and want to be a part of.
1: Yeah, Steve O has done a pretty good job too. Uh, from Jackass, I think he's kind of been. All over youtube as well like he'll just like sit there and tell like some crazy story uh which is pretty great but yeah it's it's a different it's different though i mean like youtube stars and traditional film stars are uh it's still it, it does have this weird prestige of like i'm a hollywood actor and then um every time a youtuber is on a late night talk show they're like they're. it's almost like uh so tell me you make YouTube videos for a living, yeah, you know? Like that, yeah, that's the, hopefully that's, that's the, changing.
0: Uh, I, f- I feel like that's changing, and people are starting to yeah, to be less like. So in, what's a, what's the YouTube? You know, like yeah. how, how do you how do you I, make the money on the YouTube? <laughs> like, I think that well, that sort of stigma is leaving, and people are starting to seeing it as a as a as a, yeah. as a real career, um, because it is a real career, um, and a real job.
1: And especially during the pandemic a lot of these late night hosts had to learn what being a YouTuber actually is because yeah. they became YouTubers. Yep,
0: essentially. <laughs> essentially, essentially they became YouTubers, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think we're coming to a close here. It's been an hour. Uh I really really appreciate your time. This has been a blast. We got to hang out. We got to do an Indie Mogul collab or something. I would That'd be a
0: love blast. to do some stuff on Indie Mogul. We like, should I grew, get like a uh, like I I watched Indie Mogul at the very beginning of when I was um starting to create and learning how to edit and learning how to do green screen indie mogul was where a lot of that information came from like backyard effects was my shit
1: oh heck yeah um yeah dude that was when they asked me to be on it It was just such an honor because exactly like you said i mean it, it the brand and the recognition of that uh channel is just insane it was like one of the first youtube channels on youtube really it's like 13 years old it's yeah. crazy although you have a video that's 13 years old so you've you've been on it for a while yeah i've been on uh, it for a while
0: but I, I, didn't know what I, was doing. <laughs> I didn't
1: know what i was doing but uh yeah maybe we could come out to your studio or something and like set you up with something or i don't know we could we could we'll figure something out you got the new uh, fx9 so maybe we could do something with that i don't know yeah i'm down do you do all your thumbnails uh yeah not very well though yeah i, <laughs> I, was- I feel like there should be a website for people who like apply to be youtuber thumbnail editors it's like it's a specific set of skills you can't if you come in being a graphic designer and you like follow the rules of graphic design and art that's not how it works (laughs) it has to be cringy bright loud crazy yeah loud
0: crazy attention grabbing all this all the stuff that you're told not to do when you create something, <laughs> that's what it has to be in order for it exactly. to catch the eyes of a YouTube audience.
1: Well, Jock, thank you so much for being on the Golden Hour Podcast. Everybody go follow uh, Jock on Twitter. That's how we became friends. What's your handle again? It's not your uh, name.
0: No, it's it's Kusto, which is K-U-S-T-O-O, and that's on Twitter, yes. Instagram, Snap. If you're on Snap, that's follow right. me on Snap. I actually have a, a show on Snapchat called The mm. Kickback um heck yeah yeah i'm everywhere everywhere it's Cousteau. if you want to find me it's all it's always under Cousteau. k-u-s-t-o-o
1: awesome what's the relevance of that what what's the name there i'm sorry i don't know that
0: uh so jacques history. Cousteau. he was a uh deep sea under uh uh-huh. diver uh french uh, diver uh oceanographer i should say actually um yeah i know who he is yeah so, so it's
1: it's a a meme of your, your name. Yeah, yeah.
0: Basically, it's a meme of my name. Like, I wanted to be, when I was a rapper, I rapped under the name Cousteau or K-U. Um, oh, okay. Because, you know, it just made sense because my name was Jacques. I didn't have to really think about it. Um, And so, it's kind of stuck. And so, when I started getting on the internet and started making, like, my screen names, I just used yeah. Cousteau, K-U-S-T-O-O. <laughs> and so I just use that for everything now. I just hold on to it, and I just I love put my it. name Jacques. But I don't, I don't really say Cousteau very, very often anymore. It's very rare that I say Cousteau. I usually just say Jacques. But a lot of people that um, know me from the internet know uh, me by my screen name
1: <laughs> Cousteau. <laughs> yeah,
0: so they're like Cousteau or Custu just because I thought I was cool spelling it like that. But yeah.
1: Okay, so everybody, go follow him at. Custo, yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah. dude. Thank you so much, Jacques, for being on no problem, again. Man. And uh, like I said, we'll have to do a little Indie Mogul collab soon.
0: For sure, let's do it.
1: Thanks again, Jacques, for being on the podcast today. Once again, this is the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio, and we'll see you next Tuesday.